Hey guys, buckle up for a new episode of Winning Mindset, the one and only podcast where an underage kid tells you about the sports world and betting. Whether you're a fan, sports better, or just someone who came across this podcast, you are sure to pick up advice when you listen to Winning Mindset. Today's podcast is about week one of college football and what to expect during the slate of games this week. Here's how it works. I'll give you the rundown on stats and key factors for each game, and then at the end, give you the best bet I personally believe will hit for that game. Some days will be just about bets, and other days will be about just news. And some days, it'll be both. I'll explain why these bets will work and how I got to this outcome. By the end of the episode, you'll be able to understand everything and anything going on in the sports world. So sit back, relax, and let's talk shop. Good morning. It is currently September 1st, 2022. It is currently 7.46 a.m. when I am recording this. And Russell Wilson has just been signed for five years and it includes $165 million guaranteed. If you are a Broncos fan like me, that is fantastic news. It is showing that Russell Wilson is most likely going to end his career in Denver He's only behind Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers in annual contract value. Um, and Kyler Murray's third and Rodgers first. But that's pretty good news if you're a Broncos fan. We've had, as a Broncos fan, you've been worried about the QBs the last couple of years since Peyton Manning left. It's been up and down, up and down. We have the talent defensively. We have the talent offensively. It's just the QB that's been the problem. Horsecock Lock. I was a big fan of Drew Lock. I, I do. I liked him. Um, sad he got hurt. He's going to miss week one for the Seahawks. Geno Smith's going to start. But I liked Drew Locke. A little disappointed by how he played, but I liked him. But how can you not be excited as a Broncos fan? You have Russell Wilson for five years now. $165 million guaranteed. He's My only concern is injuries. Russell Wilson hasn't been injured too bad in the past. But he turns 34 November 29th. That's... 34 is old for a QB, and especially a QB of his standard who likes to run the ball. He not He's a scrambling QB. He's got the arm for the pocket passing, but he does run, and that's my only concern. If he's if he gets a hit hard with, while running, he's he's going to be 34. That's My dad's, I don't know, 55. He's, if he gets hit at 55, he might die. I'm dead serious. He might die. Like... I just I'd be concerned for Russell Wilson. He looks he looks good, a little big, l- looks a little bulked up. That's just me personally. I don't know. Maybe he's doing what James Harden did and saving weight, I guess, to lift. I don't know. We'll see how he plays. I'm not concerned about it. He still got he still got the arm. Uh I I'm excited as a Broncos fan. I'm excited. Um what else is going on in the sports world? Serena Williams almost over. Um, I don't know if any of y'all been watching tennis and Serena Williams. I haven't. That's for sure. Like I, I can understand how she was great for the sport and what she did for the sport, but 
realistically, that's over. It's it's like asking me if I watch Vince Carter's final season of basketball. Hell no, I didn't. I didn't watch that shit. But like, what was what was he playing for? He wasn't playing for anything. It was like he was great. Don't get me wrong, Vince Carter was great. But why would I watch his final season in the basketball? Like, there's so much better things to watch on TV, like Netflix, any other sports thing. I could watch literally any other team play. I I just don't understand. Like I get it, but like you're watching Serena Williams and the fans are going nuts. Like it's the championship. Like no, it's it's just Serena Williams scoring a point. Like give me a break. Like it is. I get it's cool, but it's no Tiger Woods winning the Masters or Tiger Woods coming back from when he came back from his car accident and playing. It's not that. It's Serena Williams ending her career. I get it, but if it, it's like she's not. She's not Albert Pujols, right? Like Albert Pujols is chasing 700 home runs. He's close. He's what six away now, chasing it. That's a reason to watch. That's a reason to watch him. Serena Williams isn't chasing any records. She's not chasing anything. So I can understand if you're a fan of tennis how this is a big deal, but I still don't understand the hype around Serena Williams retiring. I understand what she did for the sport, but I just don't see a point in going absolutely insane for her scoring a point like they are at at the match right now um what else uh cam smith signs with live that was big he uh the aussie golf superstar um signed with live i think what was he chasing uh 26 million dollar payday uh from the pga uh because he won what else uh I think the tour's final tournament for the season is today. The PGA Championship begins today, actually. Um, I like Cam Smith. Uh, I think he's an entertaining golfer. Um, People are going to have their own opinions on him joining Live Golf. I personally do not see a problem with that. I think you can't blame the guy for taking money. At, at this point, anyone in sports is playing for money. I get they love the game, but they are playing for money. Yet people people forget that. Like it's a sport. They got to make money. They have families. They have other things to do. They need you need money to do that to raise a family. And these guys just want money at this point. I understand it's Saudi money, but it's still money, and that's what I, that's what anybody seems to want anymore in the world. If live golf fails. And these guys are stuck jobless for a while. That's their fault. I don't. That's they made the choice. They still got paid. It's just, they're not going to be playing golf for a little bit until the PGA musters up some balls to tell them what's going to happen. And the PGA has not really threatened these players to leave. They haven't. They they're just sitting back with their thumbs up their ass, like waiting. They know it's going to happen, and they haven't done anything about it. It's like. Look at the situation in the UFC we've had for the last couple of years. If you aren't going to pay people, which people are the fighters are complaining about with Dana White, if you're not going to pay them the money they want, they're going to find other ways to make money that don't involve you. And that's what these guys are trying to do. And there's other fight leagues and there's places these guys are going that pay more. Look at look at these YouTube boxing fights. Look how much these are paying. Like Anderson Silva is going to fight Jake Paul and he's going to fight Jake Paul and make more money than he has ever made in one fight after he, when he's retired. 
there's so much money in sports and these guys just aren't willing to pay pay them the money that they should be earning. And I'm not saying all of them should be earning this type of money. But for Anderson Silva to go fight a YouTube boxer and make more money than he's ever made in his career is insane. And I, I don't blame the guy. I would I would fight Jake Paul for the amount of money he's probably going to get paid for that fight too. But it's just insane. You can't blame people for taking money in sports anymore. I don't care where it's from, but you can't blame them for taking money in sports. Let's get into what we all came here for this week. Uh, the first week of college football. We had week zero, like I said earlier, but nobody really watched like week zero. There wasn't any important games going on. It was kind of just people wanted to watch sports. That's what it felt like, and that was what was on TV. It was either that or baseball, but nothing, nothing too interesting going on there. But today, it's Thursday, September 1st. Today's the first day for uh college football in my opinion the first game we got today is West Virginia at number T number 17 Pittsburgh um starts at 5 p.m. mountain time and the Panthers finished last season 11-3 ended up losing in the Peach Bowl they averaged 41.1 points per game which was third in the nation third in the nation while allowing an average of 23.6 points. West Virginia finished last season 6-7 and seven and lost in the guaranteed rate bowl. They only averaged about 25.2 points per game and gave up an average of 23.8 points a game. So you look at that, that's a good stat line for Pittsburgh, right? 41.1 points per game they scored, third in the nation. That's pretty damn good against a, a, a decent league last year a decent league last year they did allow 23.6 points per game but that's not that's not too bad considered what other teams were giving up last year and if you're scoring 41.1 points a game it doesn't really matter this year this game i see some upside with the mountaineers with uh their quarterback daniels coming coming from georgia by way of usc um i think if daniels and harrell catch lightning and get the passing game hot against uh, this Pittsburgh defense, uh, then we're going to have the making of a backyard brawl. And that's what anybody's going to want today, a backyard brawl. I personally think Pittsburgh is getting a little too much credit going into week one, considering they have a completely different roster from last season. Completely different roster, especially with no Kenny Pickett. Like We're forgetting Kenny Pickett is gone. He's not there anymore. I expect both of these teams to come out of the gate a little rusty as they both have new team offenses and new quarterbacks, both teams going in. On the bright side, though, both teams have veteran offensive lines and should should limit the mistakes of the game. Um, Pittsburgh definitely has a better defense and more complete defense than uh, the Mountaineers going into the game. With a dominant defensive front and a veteran secondary, that has some in-game experience. That's what I'm going to take away. They have the in-game experience. That's why I would take Pittsburgh defensively. The QBs for both teams, JT Daniels of West Virginia and Kadon Slavis of Pittsburgh, both have uh, new offensive coordinators and new receivers to work with. So I expect JT Daniels to show off his arm 
against a challenged Panthers secondary. I expect him to throw the ball, show his skill, um, prove that West Virginia is a good team this year. If they want to compete and win this game, JT Daniels has to go off. He has to throw the ball. You can't rely on the running game. You have to throw the ball against this challenged Panthers secondary. They, they the Pittsburgh needs to find a way to cover the pass. If they don't, West Virginia is in this game. They have a chance. The Panthers are going to try to. Sh- they need to. Sh- they're going to try to shift the ball from the pass first offense that they usually run to a more balanced attack, uh, which is going to take time in the game. Um. They're not going to be. It's not going to be a hot start for Pittsburgh. I'm expecting they're going to be trying to work some things out, work the rust off. So, with that being said, give me West Virginia plus eight. That's it. That's all I want for this game. West Virginia plus eight. Simple, easy. Um, I have no concern about that game. I think West Virginia covers covers the plus eight. Uh, the next game, same time, five p.m. today, Central Michigan at number twelve, Oklahoma State. Not a game I'm going to bet on per se. Last season, the Cowboys won the Fiesta Bowl after finishing 12 and two, averaging averaging 31.1 points per game, while only giving up 18.1 points per game, which was 10th in the nation. Pretty damn good. Central Michigan went nine and four last season and won the Sun Bowl, averaging 32.3 points per game on offense while giving up 25.8 points per game. Oklahoma State went 10 and 2 against the spread last year and 5 out of the 12 games went over the total points. Central Michigan went 8 and 5 against the spread last year and went over the total points 5 out of the 13 games. Well, what my key factor for this game is is Mike Gundy is one win away from 150 wins of his career. That's pretty damn good. Congrats Mike Gundy. I'm expecting you guys get the win against Central Michigan if you don't you're a horrible coach, and you should never coach again, in my opinion. No reason you should lose this game. Um, Oklahoma State needs to get points on the board early and just let the reserves in for the second half. I think that's what they need to do. Let the p- starters get the rust off and then put the reserves in, get them warmed up for the rest of the season. You're going to need depth the rest of the seasons. The, Cowboy- the Cowboys are going to need to develop depth for the rest of the season, and the best way to do that is with the first week blow out. That's what any team can ask for. Um, it's going to be a beatdown, though, tonight. It's going to be a beatdown. I'm not even going to put the game on. not even going to watch it. not even going to bet it. Um, that's that's about it. It's I wouldn't bet it if you do take Oklahoma uh, State, but it, it, they're going to put reserves in in the second half. It's just like it, I don't know what the reserves are going to do. It, it's too risky for me. I wish Central Michigan luck, but even with that, it'll have to be a miracle. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's after that game. Uh, VMI at number 22, Wake Forest at 530 tonight. Um, I like Wake Forest. Last season, they went 11-3 and and won the Gator Bowl against Rutgers. Beat them down. Beat them down. 38-10. When favored last season, Wake Forest went 8-0. But they only won one of three games as underdogs. Mm, Not great. Not great. Three wins for Wake Forest uh, in one possession games. 
Um, they're projected to win nine games this season, Wake Forest. So I'm expecting Wake Forest to win. There's not a concern about that. Wake Forest didn't lose any players in the draft this year. They only lost Zach Tom and just Sir Taylor. I'm interested to see, though, if the Wake Forest defense can improve from last year. Uh, Wake Forest struggled against teams that could run last season, and VMI is going to try to get the ground game going with leading rusher Corey Brady running behind a decent front five. Not a great front five, a decent front five. VMI is the QB and Seth Morgan. But last season, he threw a ton of picks. That's my only concern for him. He could keep the chains moving, don't get me wrong, but he threw a ton of picks last year. Like, an insane amount. He's like Jameis Winston of college football. Equal equal touchdowns, equal picks. I, we'll see We'll see what he does. Hopefully, he, he worked in the offseason, doesn't throw as many picks. The defense for VMI isn't great, isn't bad. I expect the balance to be there and the defense to have a few good plays. But for Wake Forest, it's not a concern. They need to get the ball in the air. They need to throw the ball. The pass rush for VMI is not going to show up. So the QB uh, for Michael Griffiths with star Sam Hartman out uh, with a non-football-related injury or problem, per se, should get plenty of time to work. The offense uh, for Wake Forest should move fast if everything works right. As decent as the VMI offense is, there isn't. They aren't going to be able to control the clock like they're going to want to, and that's exactly why they're not going to win this game. Hartman being out is big uh, for Wake Forest, but as Wake Forest is a good enough offense overall to keep the parts moving until his return, I expect the Demon Deacons to win. Um, on the lines, they're a good collective team and can. Uh, be balanced when they need to be. That's what I like about them. Uh, VMI, I expect to score a few scoring drives, not not enough to put up 30 points. Maybe if the Wake Forest defense, they put in reserves for the midway through third, the fourth, you can maybe expect 30 points out of VMI. I'm not expecting a lot, but they're not going to be able to keep up with the pace of Wake Forest. Um, so I'm going to take the over. 67.5 points for the game. Um, I think Wake Forest offense is good enough. I don't think VMI's defense is going to consistently keep up with Wake Forest offense. I also don't think Wake Forest's defense is going to stop VMI from scoring uh, that many times. I think VMI is not going to put up 30 points unless the reserves go in, but I think they can cover the over. Overall, I think 67.5 points. They should cover that. Um, Let's move on to Friday. Western Michigan and number 15, Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State won the Peach Bowl last year after finishing 11-2. They scored 31.8 points per game while giving up an average of 25.3 points per game. On the other side of the ball, the Broncos won 8-5 last year and won the Quick Lane Bowl giving up 28.2 points per game while scoring 35.5 points per game. Um, Michigan State will get to win season opener, home opener, with ease. That's not a concern for me. Despite the decent team that Western Michigan is, Michigan State is a perfect 11-0 all-time against Western Michigan. Michigan State has a 
battle between two transfer running backs, though Peyton Thorne, Peyton Thorne, who is the uh, quarterback for Michigan State, is going against his own father, Jeff Thorne, who is the new offensive coordinator for the Broncos. Thorne is expected to be the starting QB for the second year for the Spartans. Um, not confirmed, but expected. Um, don't, Western Michigan, though, coming off a great season last year under head coach Tim Lester, who enters with a record of 32-25 and 25 all time. The Broncos averaged 466.4 yards per game last season, um, thanks to the nation's 17th best run offense. Ran the ball a lot. They also controlled the clock very well last year. Um, averaging a possession time of 35 uh, minutes, 16 seconds, which is pretty damn good for a team like that to control the control the ball that long. And 17th best, best run offense in the nation as a smaller school. Can't complain about that. Um, Michigan State beat the spread nine times last year out of the 13 games. And 13 Michigan State games last season, seven went over the toll. On the other side of the ball, Western Michigan went 6-6 six and six against the spread last season and had seven of its games go over also. I expect Michigan State to run the ball and test out the transfer running back situation. They got to find running back one unless they're going to run a two-man backfield. I think they're going to – this game, they're going to run the ball a lot, test out who's who they like more in the backfield. Um, they got to throw the ball, though, just get QB warmed up. I think with both offenses being defense and the defensives defenses both giving up an average of 25 or more points uh, per season last year or per game last year, um, I'm going to take the over 54.5 points. I don't see why they couldn't cover the over in that game with uh, the good running for both teams. Saturday, 10 a.m. Colorado State University at number eight, Michigan. This is a game I like. I, I like this game. I don't know why. I I like Michigan. They're a good team. I also think Colorado State has nothing to lose. They have nothing to lose. Colorado State went four for seven last year, four and eight against the spread, and five for six on over on covering the over. Michigan had a great season last year, went 12 and 2, um, beat the spread, covered the spread 11, 11 times, and hit the over seven times. Uh, last time Colorado State played Michigan was in 1994, where Michigan won 24 to 14. Um, for CSU, it's going to be all up on the offense and how fast they can get up to speed. Uh, they made a massive push for new head coach Jay Norville and got some decent transfer players. The offense, I expect to wing it around the yard and the, and for the D to get into the backfield on a regular basis as it is one of the best in the country in tackles for loss. That is playing to CSU's advantage. Obviously, Michigan is a more talented team overall, but the new mix for the Rams defensively, I'm expecting might throw a curveball at Michigan in a game, like I said, where Colorado State has nothing to lose. They lose this game, it doesn't matter. Nobody expected to them. If they win this game, we're, that's that's something. Colorado State's competing. That's a good sign. Uh, for Michigan, it's going to play be playing to its advantages. Colorado State has 12 transfer starters. 
and a couple new players and even a new coaching staff. And they're all going against the defending Big Ten champs from last season and the first game of the season. Michigan did lose some big stars on the defensive front, but the offensive line has room to grow and be special this year, in my opinion. The O-line for the Wolverines is going to take time to warm up, but going against the Colorado State team that is starting all over, add the freshman of... I, I, you add you add the freshman QB of Clay Millen to uh, CSU, and I'm expecting the Wolverines to have a good day on defense. I'm not saying Clay Millen is awful by any means, but he's a freshman going against the Big Ten defending champs. Come on. Like, it, what do you expect? I expect the Wolverines to have a good day on defense Saturday. Um, my prediction, though, Colorado State has nothing to lose and a lot to prove with a brand-new team. Pretty much new head coach. The coach is going to want to come out, prove that he is a good team. He wants to prove that they made the right choice in bringing him here. Um, I expect CSU to have some key moments, but in the end, Michigan to do what they do best and pound the ball. Pound the ball. Even with some new guys on the O-line for Michigan, they should be strong um, as they led the nation in fewest tackles for loss last year. Um, it's going to be a different Wolverines team, but still a good team overall. Michigan money line isn't isn't anything worth betting. If you want if you want to bet something, Michigan, give me Michigan money line. I like CSU plus twenty seven point five points though. I think CSU can cover that. That's not. A, I think it, it's a it's a risk. By don't get me wrong by any means, but CSU can definitely cover. 27.5 in my opinion. Give me and also give me the under 58.5 points for the game. Um I think both defenses are good. And if Michigan runs the ball, the clock's gonna run down and 58.5 points under. What else? Saturday, 10 a.m. Sam Houston at number six, Texas AM. Texas AM finished eight and four last season and didn't play in a bowl game. When it came to one possession games, Texas A&M was two for two. When favored by seven point five points or more, the Aggies went six and zero last season. That's pretty damn good. Six and zero. Aggies lost some, lost what four players of the draft. The main being Kenyon Kenyon Green, uh, who was the fifteenth pick in the first round to the Texans. Sam Houston, despite what it seems, going against the number six team, is a good football team though. They won the spring twenty twenty one FCC. FCS championship. That was the top seed for last year's FCS tournament. That was ultimately won by North Dakota State, though. Even if Sam Houston is good enough to play for the national t- title in an FCS game, um, they're going to be going against a team, a tough team, especially since you just look at scholarship-wise, Sam Houston has 22 fewer scholarships. That's just a crazy stat for a football game. It, it doesn't seem like it, but you look at the skill of players in just athleticism, 22 fewer scholarships. Come on. Um, the Aggies have a returning QB in Haynes King, who broke his leg in the first quarter of the second game last season at Colorado. King threw for 292 yards and two touchdowns in their season opener against Kent State. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, head coach for the Aggies, said King earned the spot with his hard work in training camp. So I'm expecting uh, King to play 
play well. He beat out LSU transfer Max Johnson and Connor Wingman. Uh, Sam Houston last year went uh, 11-1 and and lost to Montana State 42-19 in the FCS quarterfinals. Sam Houston does have a new quarterback in Jordan Yates. He started six games last year at Georgia Tech, um, completing nearly 60% of his passes. Um, He threw 153 passes for 908 yards with six touchdowns. He also threw for 203 yards and a loss to Clemson. Not awful. Sam is 12-0 all-time against the Sam Houston Bearcats, though. Um, What do I think? I expect Texas A&M to come out the gate gate hot and want to not only win this game, but end it in the first half. Just take the game away from them. End in the first half. Jimbo Fisher, love Jimbo Fisher, good coach. He's not going to take Sam Houston lightly. He said it. He thinks they're a good football team. He wants to win. He doesn't think Sam Houston's going to shit their pants per se. Um, I expect Sam Houston to compete too. I don't expect them to lay down and die. I think they're going to compete. Um, the odds haven't been posted for this game, but I will be, in fact, taking the over in total points for this game when these bets come out. Quick shout out to another sponsor for this podcast, Bang Energy, the best sports pre-workout drink on the market. Zero calories, no sugar, creatine in it. I take it every time before I work out. Bang Energy, thank you for sponsoring this podcast. Just go get some. You already know what it is. Just go get some. Go get some more. Number 13, NC State at East East Carolina, Saturday, 10 a.m. Mountain Time. Um, I, this is a good game to watch. Good game to watch. The NC State Wolfpack failed to make it to a bowl last season after going 9-3, uh, averaging 33 points per game and allowing 19 points per game on average. East Carolina last season went 7-5 and failed to make it to the postseason. Simple as that. Um, NC State end of the season. 2021 season, a little frustrated finishing the season. Like I said, 9-3. Um, they're supposed to go in the Holiday Bowl against UCLA. Uh, went against UCLA, would have given NC State its first 10-win season since 2002. Um, sadly, the game never happened due to UCLA having multiple COVID cases. Um, NC State wasn't happy about that, thinking UCLA lied. Um, it was a whole hot mess. Uh, would have been cool for NC State, but just... Never happened. NC State has 17 returning starters this season. Uh, they'll have one, all but one defender returning and uh, one of the best back groups in the country. Drake Thomas led the team in tackles and sacks in 2021, and he returns on the strong side this year. Middle linebackers Isaiah Moore and outside linebacker Peyton Wilson are also back after injury. Uh, the offense does need to find a replacement for their leading rusher, Zonovan Knight, and uh, leading receiver, Amika Amezi. But uh, veteran QB, Devin Leary, is one of the best in the ACC, in my opinion. ECU is 2-0 at home against SEC State since 2010, 
including a 33-30 to 30 win in 2016. I, I expect the NC State offense to be explosive, especially with the passing game. I do. I honestly do. Despite what everybody thinks, East Carolina is going to hang around. I think I don't think I think it's going to be more than a touchdown difference. I think NC State comes out gunning. I expect the defense this year to be the star though for NC State. The linebackers will be some of the best in the nation. My only concern for NC State is the running game with Zonovan Knight gone, who was their leading rusher last year. East Carolina on the other hand should have a good enough defense to compete. I'm not saying it's not going to be it's going to be a 30 point blowout. They should be able to keep, compete. The offense has some good rotations of running backs and QB Holton, who's a veteran who shouldn't be phased by this ACC team coming into town. My only concern for the Pirates is the offensive line, which is going to have trouble against the NC State linebackers. I predict East Carolina to show up and prove that they're a good team because they are. They are a good team. They'll hang around, but the NC State defense uh, is going to settle in within the second quarter, second half, and take over. Give me the under 55.5 points, and NC State minus 11.5. I do think they're going to cover that. One of the games games of the day, if not the game of the day, 11 Oregon at number three Georgia, Saturday, 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Last season, we all know, Bulldogs won national championship after going 14-1. They scored 38.6 points per game while the defense led and only giving up 10.2 points per game. That's fucking insane. 10.2 points per game in average. That's pretty fucking good. Oregon finished last season with a loss at the Alamo Bowl after a 10-4 record. They averaged 31.4 points per game. They gave up 27 points per game. Um, former Georgia coordinator Dan Lanning is uh, going against the defending national t- champions for the season over. One of Oregon's biggest strengths is their front seven. Inside, linebacker Noah Sewell will be over the field Saturday, I expect. Uh, the preseason All-American won Pac-12 Freshman Defensive Player of the Year in 2020 and racked up 114 tackles. That's a lot. Um, he works beside Justin Flo. Former five-star recruit out of high school on the defensive front for the Ducks. Uh, first team All-Pac-12, Brandon Dorless, leading a group that returns four starters. Georgia has some areas with depth, depth concern, in my opinion. Uh, three of the top inside linebackers are gone with three of the top defensive linemen. The Bulldogs have recruited in the top three, though, which helps them out. Um, but Georgia did lose a total of 15 players to the draft, which is a lot. Um, Georgia is going against probably the best O-line they're going to face all season. It's going to be the hardest team for the Bulldogs this season, in my opinion. But Georgia is going to be fine in the end. Oregon has talent and a whole lot of it. But uh, defensive tackle Jalen Carter is pretty damn good. That goes for linebacker Nolan Smith and tight end Brock, Brock Bowers and many more for the Georgia Bulldogs. I expect it to be a show, though. It's going to be very close in the first half. I expect Oregon to show up and prove themselves against the defending champs. Um, I'll take Oregon plus 17.5. I think that's a lot of points, to be completely honest. Um, I think a lot of people are on Oregon plus 17.5, which scares me, but rightfully so. I think they're a good team, and I think 17 points 
is a lot to give a team uh, that lost 15 players to the draft. UTEP, UTEP at number eight. At number nine, Oklahoma, Saturday at 1.30, Mountain Time. Uh, Oklahoma won the Alamo Bowl a year ago after finishing 11-2. Um, the Miners' last game was a 31-13 loss to North Texas. The Mean Green, Gavin Harrison showing for the Miners against the Mean Green included 21 of 48 passing yards for 293 yards, one touchdown and no interceptions. He rushed 10 times for 29 yards. Um, Oklahoma was 6-6 six and six against the spread last season, and 7 of the 12 went over. Um, UTEP, UTEP had 8 wins against the spread last season, and 7 of its games hit the over. I like that stat. A lot of overhits. I don't see much of a case for UTEP winning against Oklahoma on Saturday. There's plenty of questions surrounding an Oklahoma team that has a new head coach, a new starting QB, and a defense that lost five players to the draft. But one thing not to question is that talent on that team. The talent's pretty damn good. I'm expecting the Sooners to light up the scoreboard on Saturday with junior quarterback Dylan Gabriel and senior running back Eric Gray. Hmm. They have a redshirt junior, Jalen Redman, and the rest of the Oklahoma's defensive line should also prove a challenge uh, for UTEP. I just don't think they're going to be able to compete. I expect Oklahoma to put on a show, simple as that. Give me the over 57 total points, and I'll take Oklahoma minus 31. I like that. I think I don't see much of a case for UTEP being in this game, to be completely honest. They're good, just not not – able to complete compete with a top 10 school Bethune Cookman at number 16 Miami 1:30 p.m. mountain time Miami went seven and five last season and didn't qualify for a bowl game a disappointing season for Miami Miami had four wins in one possession games and seven opportunities let's look at it this way Mario Crispo was sitting pretty in Eugene Oregon Less than a year ago, he was building up the Ducks to be a force in the Pac-12. However, he received the golden offer to return back to sunny South Florida and coaches and coach the Miami Hurricanes. While some programs like the Oregon Ducks and the Ohio State Bucky, Buckeyes will face some opponents to open up their season, the Hurricanes will go up against one of the lesser imposing members of their in-state fo- foes. From Daytona Beach. The Wildcats are coming off a disappointing 2-9 season. Their program's first in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. They'll be led by head coach Terry Sims, who has been with the program since 2012 and has put together a 36-30 record since taking over the lead role in 2015. Miami fans will be excited to get a glimpse of the revamped roster on Saturday, featuring a mix of talent, though, Across the team, looking to put up, looking to put on for the U this weekend. Uh, all eyes will be on QB Taylor Von Dyke, though, as a stellar second half of this 2022 season would begin his potential for the Heisman Trophy campaign. Um, and Corey Gambles, my prediction for the game. Well, I would not even gonna bet this game. I think it's gonna be beat down, but. I'm going to stay away just because reserves and stuff. 
while the Wildcats are not an opponent, the Hurricanes will have struggles with at all. Literally at all. Miami's new coaching staff will be bringing out new schemes that will surely be tested throughout this matchup. Nonetheless, the Canes should be starting the season off on the right foot with a win with all the, with all with all it being said and done. I have no bets. No bets for that game. Stay away. Or you're just asking to lose money. Some random shit's gonna happen. Don't bet something you don't know. That's what I always live by. Don't bet random shit. Just a bet. Unless you're down a lot of money, then bet. Try to come back. Never go down. Always try to come back. Don't listen to me. Bad advice. 23 Cincinnati at number 19 Arkansas. 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Great game. This is going to be a great game. Close game. My opinions. Um, I'll just get straight to the point. I think all signs point to the Arkansas Razorbacks dominating this week one game. The Razorbacks return their star quarterback while the Bearcats look to replace many key contributors, including quarterback Desmond Ryder. Ryder. Arkansas should also be uh, concerned about the home crowd, looking forward to another successful, successful season. Ultimately, I think this Cincinnati team has too many players, too many new players in key positions. My prediction is the Bearcats will be overwhelmed by an experienced Arkansas team playing at home. Uh, I like the Razorbacks to win by at least two scores. Give me Arkansas minus 6.5 and over 51.5 total points. I love Arkansas in this game. Love Arkansas. And I think minus 6.5 is great. Take that. Take that. Uh, number 24, Houston at UTSA. Um, the Cougars won the Birmingham Bowl after going 12-2. and two. Um, The lone FBS contest on opening. This is the lone FBS contest on opening weekend featuring two 12-plus win teams from last season. Has massive stakes for September date. This is a big game for September. Uh, just for a team like Houston, the Cougars begin the season in the Associated Press top five, 25 rankings. They're ranked 12th. This is their 12th time in program history being ranked. Uh, and first since 2016, Houston went 12-2 and two in 2021 and played for the American Athletic Conference Championship and beat Auburn 17-13 to in the Birmingham Bowl. Houston senior quarterback Clayton Toon and wide receiver Nathan Dell are among two returning quarterback wide receiver duos. Uh, they posted 300, th- oh, my bad, 3,546 passing yards, 1,329 receiving yards in 2021. That's pretty damn good. It's a good duo to have on your team. In 2021, UTSA also went 12-2 and two and climbed to number 22 in the polls, which is pretty good. While going undefeated for its first 11 games, the Roadrunners won the Conference USA Championship and then lost to number 24, San Diego State, in the Frisco Bowl. Uh, the ground game for Houston, um, I'm expecting to be great, and especially with a deep rotation. It'll come down to the play of QB Tune and his receiving corps. UTSA is rock solid on both sides of the ball. UCA, UTSA is an under, underdog story. Through and through, with the toughness, the makeup, and the experience, they have a good base with four returning starters on the offensive front. Frank Harris is a veteran QB, in my opinion. 
who shouldn't be phased by a game like this. The defense is going to be one to watch, though. I'm expecting them to take the ball away a few times. Uh, the offense for Houston isn't quite consistent enough to make this game easy uh, or blow out, in my opinion, but it'll take a few scoring drives in the second quarter and in the second half to end this game. Second quarter, I think Houston's going to win. Uh, by touchdown, maybe more. Give me Houston minus four and give me the over 61.5 total points with both teams being good offensively. Troy at number 21 Ole Miss, uh, Saturday, 2 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, the Rebels lost the Sugar Bowl a season ago after fishing 10-3. and They put up 33 points per game, which was number 25 in the nation, while giving up 24.7 points per game, which was 52nd. Um, the Trojans on the other side went 5-7 and seven in 2021 and failed to even qualify for a bowl game. Ole Miss had seven in twelve of their games uh, hit against the spread or cover against the spread last year, and only three games hit the over. Troy only won three games against the spread last season and had out of and had six of its eleven games hit the over. Uh, the Trojans should come with a stronger offense uh, with so much experience returning. The Trojans might not have been as explosive as they have been in the past. Uh, but now they have all the parts to do a hollow more, in my opinion. The Ole Miss defense uh, has some help from the transfer portal. portal. Uh, if the Troy offense can hit third down plays, they can compete, and that's about it. Troy's defense uh, was great last year, and the pass rush is going to be a problem for the Rebels. Ole Miss will have to be a better team offensively, and I have no concern about that. I think Ole Miss is going to show up. Uh, they... Have all the working parts. They just got to make them work. Um, they got the playmakers to stretch the field. Uh, the line might do some shuffling, and Matt Corral might uh, be gone. But USC transfer Jackson Dart is a great quarterback who can make it all work together. Ole Miss has some reloading in the running backs, getting Zach Evans from TCU, which was a big plus for them. Um, and keep an eye out for USC transfer Michael Trigger too. Um, expecting Michael Trigger to go off have a big game. The Troy defense uh, will keep this from getting totally out of hand, in my opinion. The Royals still must prove that they can protect the quarterback, and the Trojans will get into the backfield on a regular basis. Uh, the offensive side will be just as balanced, uh, and it will keep them in the game, in my opinion, going into the third quarter. Ole Miss will have uh, too much pop to get by late, though, and it will be uh, in for a bit of a more of a fight than it would like for its first week. Um, I'm going to take the under 57.5 total points. And I think Troy's going to cover. I think Troy, 21.5. They covered um, 6 out of 11 games last season. Um, They only hit the over three times. I don't think they're going to hit the over this this game. And I think they're going to cover the spread. I'm going to take, again, the under 57.5 points. And Troy, 20 to cover uh, Troy. Plus 21.5. Number 25 BYU at South Florida, Saturday, 2 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, A season ago, the Cougars went 10-3 and lost in the Independence Bowl. Um, The Bulls' record last season was 2-10. South Florida did not play well last season, and they clearly fell short of a bowl appearance going 2-10. Uh, the BYU Cougars narrowly avoided a massive upset by the South Florida Bulls last September, winning by just eight points, despite uh, 
being a 23.5 point favorite. South Florida wound up with a disappointing, like I said, two two for ten season, while BYU finished ten and three. But the Bulls are optimistic they can keep things close once again with ten starters returning on offense and nine on defense. The Bulls return eighty six percent of their twenty twenty one production. Unfortunately for them, uh, BYU returns eighty eight percent of their team from last year, um, which is second most in the country. My prediction for this game. South Florida is a trendy program to take a step forward this season after a re, uh, returning a tremendous amount of production uh, while bringing in several key pieces, such as former Baylor quarterback uh, Jerry Bowen. Bowen is an electric, uh, in my opinion, dual threat uh, QB who threw for 2,200 yards and 18 touchdowns for the Bears last year. Um and add that to 323 rushing yards and nine scores on the ground for him. Uh, BYU struggled to contain former South quarterback Timmy McLean last September, um, and Bowen's a big upgrade for McLean. The Cougars have their own dual-threat quarterback in Jaron Hall, who made his first career start back in 2019 against these same Bulls. Uh, Hall threw for 20 touchdowns and only five interceptions last year, and uh, the ball security was... Significantly, significantly a help uh, after the offense was missing running back sensation uh, Tyler Alger. I can't ignore the spread trends coming to this matchup, though. South Florida almost never wins, but it usually hangs around long enough to cover the spread. With five straight covers at, as home underdogs, I like the Bulls' chances to keep things close. Um, thanks to Bowen's dangerous duality. Give me South Florida plus 12. Just give it to me. Slap me in the face with it. Yeah. South Florida plus 12. I like it. Rice at number 14, USC, Saturday, uh, 4 p.m. Mountain Time. Last year, USC failed to qualify for a bowl game. Um, they went 4-8. and eight. Not great. Uh, Rice, on the other hand, went 4-8. Uh, and eight. Also didn't qualify for a bowl game. Uh, USC is the story of this offseason, though, after hiring head coach Lincoln Riley. Big big head coach signing and signing a pile of elite transfers. Uh, the skill parts are tremendous. The talents, uh, talent level has been raised up several notches from the transfer portal. And Lincoln Riley, like I said, was a massive upgrade for a program overdue for a next level head coach. Uh, I think Rice is going to win the time of possession by at least 10 minutes. I think Rice is a good possession team. They keep the ball long. They know what they're doing with the clock. Uh, but USC will go fast. Fast and fast. It will want to make a big splash right away. Um, it should be able to operate with good balance on the other side. Uh, we want to make a huge statement. The underappreciated part of this puzzle should fit right away. Former Oklahoma defensive coordinator Alex Grinch uh, should work wonders with the D-line right away against a Rice offensive line that has to be far stronger than it usually has in the past. The Owls know how to grind down the clock. They're amongst the best in the nation last season in time of possession. The running game uh, had just enough returned uh, to try at least uh, try pounding a little bit against a USC defensive front. That has proven that it's stronger, and the receiving corps will be a sneaky good strength early on for them. Uh, if QB uh, Wiley Green can get enough time to work, he should be able to test the Trojan secondary uh, downs um, and spread the field a little bit. On the other side, the Rice defense is as deep 
as it has been in several years. Uh, it was decent at forcing away takeaways in the past, but this year it should be even better. I think USC will start fast, get up without a problem, and the story will be defense um, that will be trying to prove that last year was just a blip. I think USC needs to prove that last year was kind of a rare thing for them and not what this team is. Uh, Rice will generate a few scores, but it won't have a prayer of keeping up with USC. Give me USC minus 32. I think it's going to be a beatdown. I think USC has everything to prove and nothing to lose um, after last season. They need to they need to come out with a hot start. Number seven, Utah at Florida. I, in my opinion, the game uh, to watch. I like Florida. I like the Swamp. i Broncos fan, like I said, so I love Tebow from Florida, one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time, going against this number seven Utah team, who I hate. I hate Utah with everything in me. I hate Utah. Uh, last season, the Utes finished 10-4, and lost in the Rose Bowl. Um, the Gators went 6-7 and seven and lost in the Lost in a bowl game. Florida only covered the spread seven times last year, and only four of its games went over. But let's look at it this way. Florida has a rising super superstar of an NFL quarterback prospect in Anthony Richardson. But the new Billy Napier offense will rely on a balance that starts with, well, with getting the running back in space to eat up yards and chunks. The Gators' offensive line will be good. A few transfers added to an already okay mix should make this a plus, but it would have been nice to get a tune-up against Central Cream Puff Tech before having to deal with one of the best offenses in college football. Uh, linebackers Devin Lloyd and Nephi Sewell might be gone, but former Gator Muhammad Dabete is a good one to... Uh, Try helping the cause. The defensive front will once again be killer in the backfield, and the tackles are massive, massive beings who uh, gum up the works. Florida secondary full of all stars and pro prospects, and this might be the best defense Florida has to face all year. I think uh, Napier brought along a few good parts from his Louisiana attack. The line really will be a strength, and the running back situation is about as deep as any in the SEC. No, it's not going to go ballistic against the this Utah defense, but it should be effective right away. And at being at, and being at home in the swamps matters. This is a reboot for the Florida program. Napier has done everything right so far. The base is jacked for what should be coming. And to get corny for a moment, in my opinion, the atmosphere for the night game of the swamp should be special. Um, I love the swamp. Atmosphere there is crazy. After a rough run over the second half of the last year, the energy should matter. The Gators will have to rely on a good rotation on the defensive front to hold up against the fantastic Utah offensive line. The talent is there, but everyone has to hold up against a team that's going to come in like a steamroller. I think they gotta, they really gotta perform if they want to win this game. Florida, um, Utah's a good team, and they're not gonna, they're not gonna lie down. They're not gonna take it easy. This is a big game. This is. Season deciding game for both te- both teams. Um, Florida's run defense must prove it can be night and day better than it was last season, and it must do it against a brutal offensive front that should be able to grind and grind and grind some more. Uh, this Utah team built to travel. The combination of the veteran D and the tough running game works, but there's one problem: Utah doesn't always rock on the road. It went ten and four last season, 
The four losses came at BYU, at San Diego State, at Oregon State, and fine. So it's an outlier in the Rose in the Rose Bowl. Who who did it beat away from Salt Lake City? It took down a dead USC team, Stanford, and Arizona. Arizona literally held tryouts midseason. They were that bad. That's not even a win. That's like beating that's like beating the hell out of a bunch of kids in wheelchairs. The Pac-12 championship win in Las Vegas was the lone good away win. The program is two and eight in the last ten games away from the home against teams that finish with winning winning record. Um, it won't be enough. It won't be anything lovely, but Florida will take the tough win, I think, to kick off the Napier era with a huge W. Give me I don't want to take Florida money line. Uh give me Florida plus two point five. I think that's I think that's an absolute lock. I think if my play of the day is definitely Florida plus two point five. Albany at number ten Baylor Saturday at five PM Mountain Time. I'm gonna skim over this game real fast. It doesn't really this slate's not even out for betting. Um it's gonna be a beatdown. Uh, I'll get right to the prediction for the game. I'll skip over all the stats. Um, this might be the first time meeting between the Great Danes and the Bears, but uh, Bears has posted a 9-2 record since Dave Armanda took over as coach. They are 5-2 against the spread as a home favorite, a 3-1 against the spread against non-conference opponents. Uh, although dating back to 2015, Baylor is just 2-4 and four, uh, when taking on FCS opponents, including a straight-up loss against Liberty in 2017 prior to their arrival in the FBS. Um, the, the game has no lie line right now, but I do think Baylor wins by a hefty margin. Um, although this may be more than top 10 teams, um, I would be more likely to bet against ATS. Uh, I think their offense should struggle early. Depending on where the line comes out, I would take Baylor up to 25, 24 points. Uh, look for the under as well in that game once the line comes out. Uh, it is at sa- on Saturday at 5 p.m., so definitely time to uh, wait for the line to come out. But I definitely take Baylor in the points and the under. Illinois, Illinois State at number 18, Wisconsin uh, at 5 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, the Wisconsin Badgers came in uh, into 2022 unranked after a 9-4 record in 2021 and a Las Vegas Bowl win. Uh, they still have a shot to win the weak Big Ten West and begin their season with a true cupcake on their way to 1-0. The Illinois State Redbirds went 4-7 in the FCS play a year ago and will be no match for the size and physicality the Wisconsin brings to the table. Being said, it's the Brett Bowl. What does that mean? Illinois will, is going to try super hard because its coach used to be the head man at Wisconsin. Uh that and beating the Badgers is still a big deal in the Big Ten West. It's not going to happen, though. The Wisconsin offense will start to get its groove back on the ground against an Illinois front that hasn't been powered on. There will be one Badger turnover, in my opinion, not two. I could not, If there's two, someone could come to my house and literally beat the shit out of me if there's two turnovers. One at most. The defense is going to take care of the rest. Give me the over 42 total points. That's a lock. 42 points. I think that might be the lowest over for the weekend. Uh, Miami, Ohio at number 20, Kentucky, Saturday, 5 p.m. 
Uh, last season, the Wildcats won the Citrus Bowl after finishing 10-3. and They put up 32 points per game uh, while allowing 21 points per game. Uh, the Red Hawks' 2021 season ended uh, as going 7-6, and and they won the first go football classic. Uh, the Red Hawks have enough offense to be a concern. They're going to come out and put 60 on the board, but Brett Gabbert uh, is a veteran passer, and the receiving corp is solid. Uh, their tight end game is dangerous, and the offensive line is full of veterans who know what they're doing. Overall, the team is set for set up for a team like Kentucky. Uh, MU is happy to be playing a grinding game that relies on third down conversions on both sides and winning the turnover battle. However, the downfield passing game should bother the Wildcats secondary. Uh, the Miami University is all about rebu- re- rebooting, uh, and it was good against the run. It finished third overall in the MAC and second in scoring D. It wasn't bad at getting into the backfield either. Uh, the Red Hawk defensive tackles are okay, but too many playmakers from last year have to be replaced. Kentucky star running back Chris Roger- Rodriguez is out after an off-the-field incident, but the rest of the offense should be able to blast away, uh, working behind a solid line. Uh, the real problem for Miami um, going against Kentucky should be the running back, uh, I think. Uh I think this the O line is too good. They're gonna ground and pound. I'm expecting a uh, Kentucky to win this game. Um, well, Levis, Kentucky's going to try to work, try to own the game on the ground. It's not going to take many chances, but the star Wildcat quarterback should have a big day against the questionable Red Hawks secondary with plenty of time to work. Miami will be good enough to keep up, keep this from getting too far out of hand. But Kentucky won't have too many problems after the first half. Just gonna. Take a while, get the rust off, get hot first week. Uh, give me Kentucky minus 16 and under 54.5 points. I don't think there's going to be too much scoring in the first half. Uh, I think it's going to become out of reach in the second. Uh, big game, big, big game. Number five, Notre Dame at number two, Ohio State. Saturday, 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Big game. Last season, the Buckeyes finished 11-2 and and won the Rose Bowl. Offensively, they scored 45.7 points per game, which was number one in the nation, while defensively allowing 22.8 points. The Fighting Irish record was 11 and 2. Also, in 2021, they lost the they lost in the Fiesta Bowl. They scored 35.2 points per game and gave up 19.7 points per game. Ohio State went seven and six last season against the spread, and eight of its games hit the over. Notre Dame covered the spread seven out of its 11 games and hit the over six times. If it's possible to go into a college football playoff type of showdown uh, like this with little or no pressure, that's what Notre Dame is dealing with. Of course, the pressure, considering the way the team couldn't close against Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl, of course, that they debut, debut having a hard time talking, the debut of new head coach Marcus Freeman. Um, of course, this program is supposed to be good enough to win games like this and not merely give it the old college try. Uh, however, it's Ohio State as, that it's expected. Ohio State is expected to get off the bus and roll with ease. Even more than that, the weight of the world is on its shoulders of a Buckeye defense coming off a wildly disappointing 2021, relatively speaking. The D was fine, but any normal standards, but by any normal standards, but um, rational reason need no apply here. Ohio State is supposed to play for the national title. It's supposed to, <clears throat> 
It's supposed to uh, win the Big Ten Championship. It's supposed to beat Michigan also. None of the three things happened last season, and defense caught a bulk of the blame. And so the Notre Dame offense, it's great. It's great at receiver, has a whale of a tight end, and Michael Meyer, and that's a sick name. Let's let's go back. Has a whale of a tight end and Michael Meyer. That's a great name. Imagine being Michael Meyer. I don't ask this, Michael Myers. I'm gonna name like that's a good name. I'm like change my last name legally to Myers. Name my kid Michael Myers. Feed him a shit ton. Make him a tight end, and he'll just be a fucking monster on the field. Damn, that's a sick name. Fuck. <sighs> Sorry. Back, 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 back to the sports. Back to the sports. Uh, after a year of building and uh, rebooting the line, the pull, uh, payoff is about to come. On the other side, Freeman is a defensive coach. His coordinator, Al Golden, knows what he's doing. And between the great minds of the coaching room and a strong secondary, loaded with NFL talent and a sensational linebacking linebackers, the defense that might be the storyline coming out of this might be wearing the road uniforms. Ohio State will win. Maybe the defense just wasn't all that bad. It struggled at the beginning, beginning and the end. It has. It was a few stops against Oregon away from, against Oregon away from probably getting into the college football playoff. It changed things up. The talent is there at the linebackers, and the secondary should make a lot bigger plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the defense. It's the Buckeye offense that's going to be the problem with the Irish. No one has Ohio State's skill, position, talent. The offensive line is going to be a positive, positive again. If C.J. Stroud gets time and the attack is balanced, Notre Dame might not have the ability to keep up with production. Starting QB quarterback Taylor Buchner needs to have the game of his life, in my opinion, if they're going to try to keep up. Um, the Irish defense should be able to hold on better than many might think. Ohio State will win, uh, and the defense will be uh, a lot better in my prediction. Um, it will take a little bit before the dam breaks, though. Notre Dame will keep on bending without breaking for most of the game, but Stroud will find a groove on Two good scoring guys to finally let everyone in the stadium breathe. Uh, give me Notre Dame plus 17. And give me the over 59.5 points. I know Ohio State can score. It's going to be up to Notre Dame covering the over in that one. 59.5 points. Give me the over, though. Um, this is a next game is Utah State at number one, Alabama, Saturday, 530, Mountain Time. Um, Alabama, they're good. They're number one. They've always been good. Nick Saban's a good coach. Alabama will win without a problem. And how sharp the team looks out of the gate. Uh, can Young get in sync with his new main receivers? Is And just how explosive are all the, parts, all the parts of the attack? Utah won't be a total pushover. Boner's good. Boner, that's a good name. He's a veteran quarterback and the offense has parts. Uh, there will just be enough production from the Mountain West Club to give Nick Saban... Something to do for <laughs> do for the week. Utah, Nick Saban's like, he's keep keep the man busy. That's why they give him this game. Utah State has hasn't either won or lost by touchdown, and uh, last of its five, at last less than five of six games against Power Five teams, with one blowout loss coming in 2019 uh, to LSU. But there won't be a lot, whole lot of drama. It's Alabama in a season opener. Bad things are going to happen. Give me the over 62.5 total points. It's a lot of points. Uh, but give me the over. And give me Bama minus 42 um, with the biggest spread cover of the day. Um, final game. Final game for college football week one. 
Number four, Clemson at Georgia Tech. Monday, 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Not a whole lot on this game. The Yellow Jackets look to be turning a corner last season, starting out 3-3, three and three, including a 14-8 near upset loss at Clemson on September 18th. However, Tech dropped its final six games, including back-to-back shutouts at Notre Dame and against Georgia by combined 100-0 margin. The Tigers had a down season by their standards, but ended with a double-digit victory and a bull victory over Iowa State to end on a winning note. Um, I don't really have any information on this game right now. For shits and giggles, give me tw- Clemson minus 21.5. I'll take that. I like Clemson. Um, their head coach is funny. He has that TikTok. Funny guy. Uh, rickety tickety talk. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, give me Clemson minus 21.5. That's all I have for college football. That's all I have really for uh, today's podcast. There's nothing else really to talk about. Don't really have any good stories. It's the first podcast, a little rusty. Not feeling too great right now. Uh, so probably not the best time to start the podcast. But I'm not, hell no, I'm not going to miss week one football. Got a special guest coming next podcast. Uh, podcasts are going to be Monday and Friday. Um, make sure to tune in for all of them. We will be talking baseball. We will be talking NFL. We will be talking college football. Um, Just keep an eye out. Listen. Uh, Special guest next week to track the bets. Check out uh, Winning Mindset Tracker on Action Network. Uh, A link will be in the uh, bio. Check it out. Uh, Should be a fun weekend. I hope everybody has a good weekend watching college football. There is some baseball this weekend. Let's go Mets. The Mets won last night. Um, played the Dodgers. Won 2-1. to one. Close game. Jacob DeGrom. Nine strikeouts. Mookie Betts did hit a home run. Um, after Twitter was talking all that shit about him when he struck out uh, earlier in the game. Um, Edwin Diaz. 1-2-3. Shut him down. It was a great game for the Mets. Uh, tied the series. Another game tonight. Um, we'll talk more baseball when uh, week one of college football is over. Next podcast, expect to be come out Monday. Um, and then special guest on Thursday, uh, talking about college football. Um, thank you. And uh, this was winning, winning Mindset with Jackson.